0: From the William Hill Sportsbook at Silver Sevens Hotel and Casino, it's Colefield and Company. You yep, have you heard of
1: Silver Sevens? The spot, John Von Tobel, Von Tobel y Los Vatos, of course, Willie Ramirez, alongside as well. I love coming to Silver Sevens. This, this is my favorite remote spot.
2: You know, well, I don't know. I mean, I, I love being remote in general, but yes. you know why this is always. That's a shot at Ari, by the way. We don't like to be around. This This uh, will always be a great spot for me is because, I mean, I used to hang here when it was the Continental. Really? Oh, yeah. This was – I mean, we'd be here – we would be here Friday nights or Saturday nights playing blackjack, sitting in the the sports book, trying to figure out what we were going to bet. What year was that? Oh, gosh. It was in the 90s.
1: I was going to say, so I was single digits.
2: Because I was living – down the street on Flamingo and Algonquin when it was still okay and safe to live around there <laughs> um, and but we would be right back here at 6:30 in the morning with greyhounds yeah and and and, and trying to figure out and then, and then everything that we did the night before and yeah this was and it's still a you know it's a local spot so oh, it's, yeah. it caters to the locals it, it, it's always been like this at I don't know what it looks like at night because I mean where I live at this point you know I'm, I'm not usually a, a night guy those drinking days were curtailed years ago. Um, but if, if it's like it was back then with the with the for the local spot, it was cool.
1: Yep. Well, we're here across from William Hill Sportsbook, the Bud Light Lounge, where we're sitting right now. So come on over, grab a drink, sit down, plenty of comfortable seats. Tickets. Here. We got tickets. And we got tickets. Oh, yeah. We have lots of stuff here. Free shirts, merch. So come on down, say what's up, grab some stuff, grab a drink, and listen to Cofield and Company, which starts now.
0: It's the three on Cofield and Company.
1: So it's been a day of news. Uh, we do get the big bombshell earlier today, Willie, and that would be uh, the first of many dominoes to drop in the landscape of the NBA. DeAndre Ayton has agreed to uh, sign a four-year, $135 million offer sheet with Indiana. We're going to talk to Bobby Marks, VSPN, Front Office Insider, in the 5 o'clock hour about the, uh, the details of this. But your initial thought says this now opens a can of worms because there's a lot of things that stem from this that would potentially limit the Phoenix Suns in acquiring one Kevin Durant.
2: Yeah, I would. I mean, you're a little more dialed in with the NBA. You know, once a season ends for me, and I'm as a freelance writer, like, you know, you're yeah. keeping your eye on this stuff, you know, for, for your your daily stuff, for v for, you know, and, and like I said yesterday, with your NBA reports, so, so you're kind of writing this all year. Whereas the NBA season ends and I'm focused, okay, what am I doing for camp? I'm ready, ready for the Raiders, Golden Knights, free agency. But when I saw it, I was—am I wrong that I was stunned, or was this expected that he was going to bail? Uh, so I, I think he was expected to probably want to get out of there.
1: Um, I don't know if you remember how the end of that series went between Dallas and, and the Suns, but he was benched. Yeah. Um, there was a little bit of call back and forth between him and Monty Williams during the game. Uh, It does seem from a relationship standpoint that that thing is soured over there in Phoenix. And the rumblings have been there for a while that the Suns do not view him as a max player. A a very good player, but taking up that chunk of your salary cap when you have other guys, especially like Mikhail Bridges on your roster, Devin Booker, uh, Chris Paul, of course, they did not view him as a guy that is worth $134 million over the course of four years. And um, it it seemed pretty clear that he was going to be on his way out.
2: Well, now, okay, so you bring up KD, and I'm wondering... I get it so it, so he's gone and he now Kevin Durant looks at the big picture and but could it also open the door to where now KD might be able to dictate hey here's who I want to bring with me now that you've cleared this much and you already planning on bringing him like c- couldn't he do some maneuvering himself.
1: So no, because the reason why this matters in the signing for KD is Aiton was assumed to be one of the pieces they were going to ship to Brooklyn to oh, get Kevin Durant. Oh, oh, okay, okay, yeah. So, but what, and this is what makes this fascinating, right? Because he's a restricted free agent, and he's not a he's not an unrestricted free agent. And I was actually going to ask you the other day, but I forgot. Uh, in in the NHL, restricted free agency, uh, how it works? Does it work like the NBA, where it's you're a restricted free agent, you can go get an offer, your team has a chance to match that offer themselves?
2: What's that? Say that So
1: in in the NBA, if you're a restricted free agent, uh, you can go and get offers from teams, right? So yeah. the the Aiton is a restricted free agent. He gets the suit the the max offer from Indiana. Phoenix has 48 hours to match that offer and sign him. They have right, their rights because right. he's a restricted free right. agent. Is that how restricted free agency works in the NHL?
2: Similar, yeah. Yeah. So yeah.
1: and that's how this works because and this is why this opens a can of worms. They the Suns can match this offer. Adrian Wojnarowski has reported that some expect that that is going to be the case, Mm -hmm. so they can retain him, but they can't trade him till January fifteenth. If that's the case, again, assuming he'd be a piece of a package to go get Kevin Durant, and the best part about it is, if he does get signed by Phoenix, if they match the offer and they can't trade him July fifteenth for a full year, he has the power to veto any trade he wants. So even if they sign him, he sticks. Right, he's on the roster. January fifteenth comes around, he's cleared to be traded. He has the power, if he wants to, to say, no, I don't want to go to Brooklyn. And they can't do anything about it. So it, like that's why I can't wait to talk to Bobby in the 5 o'clock hour right. in terms of what this all means. So on the surface, it would seem that this deals a heavy blow to Phoenix in their chances to get Kevin Durant. Ah, that sounds like yep. it. Yep.
2: So well, well s- then the good news is for me is that I still have an outside shot of my new even though I'm a longtime Lakers fan, my Memphis Grizzlies can get okay. Kevin Durant. You're okay. Because <laughs> I still want Kevin Durant to be there. Look, I'm
1: interested, in, to your point, Mike, Memphis, if we're talking about packages, I mean, Memphis has a, t- a really good core of young talent uh, that looks pretty intriguing, although they did, I think, lose today earlier in the, uh, the Summer League contests. All right, we'll stick with basketball here. Um, can the Las Vegas Aces play at 8 a.m. every single day? What was that today? Were they 12 of 16 in the first half from three point range? I saw one point they had an offense rating of 170? They yeah. kicked the crap out of New York today.
2: Yeah, and well, 11 a.m. back there, um, and they had made mention. It, it, it. You would think that, that would that it would affect the road team, right? Especially the West since, Coast team. Yeah, the West Coast team who had four All Stars right in That's Chicago. That's Good point. Now I do know that the team itself, if they didn't attend, they were there. I want to say they watched the All Star weekend from New York because. Okay. One of the aces and I follow one another and on Instagram, and she was posting from the Big Apple. So I think a lot of them were there. Um, but you would think that the road team still, like you said, from Pacific Time Zone would be affected. Um, second game in three nights on the road, and they come out and absolutely paced the Liberty, put up 71 points in the first half. They are the first team in WNBA history, to score, I think it was 106-plus in four mm-hmm. straight games. Really? Yeah.
1: Man, they, they, they've been – so kind of going back to what we were talking about yesterday in terms of, like, grabbing new fans – the Aces, especially since Becky Hammond's come along, like yeah. they really kind of grabbed me. Because, yeah. and I've said this before, their basketball uh, resembles a little bit more like NBA-type basketball, yep. right? Spread the yep. floor, shoot a bunch of threes. Yeah. It's been really appealing to me. But what's also intriguing about a matchup like this is, this is about the third time in four games that they've played New York too, right? And New yes. York's kind of been like that. Third straight. Right, and I, I, it's been that like that fly that won't go away. It's no, so it's like a third straight game. It. Oh, it's New York's third time in four games, excuse me, yeah.
2: Yes, because New York, so New York played here. Yep. Um, right before the All-Star break. That was the Aces finale. Then New York went to Phoenix, yes. closed their first half, and then they opened against one another back-to-back in the big out. They played in Barclays today. Um, but you talk about accessibility. Pl- Kelsey Plum was at the All-Star weekend. She said, you know, they." they I think there was a reporter there that was asking everybody because um, I was on most of the Zooms, you know, what can the WNBA do more now? And she said, accessibility. And you talk about, you know, drawing fans in because of the way that they play. It's funny you say that. I wrote a story earlier this year for Athletes Unlimited, mm-hmm. which came out here for five weeks. And the first one I wrote was on Lexi Brown, D. Brown's daughter, who plays for the L.A. Sparks. And one of the things that she said that she finally felt comfortable with, even though she won a ring with Chicago Sky um, last season was when you're raised by an NBA father, your mindset, and she's and we're talking about someone who's I can use the word brilliant. She mm-hmm. graduated from Duke. Um she's got her I mean her degrees, she wants to be she has aspirations of being a general manager. In the Athletes Unlimited, it's a player run league, so she and she was always a captain. So she got a feel for everything and she's really you know, dialed in with that. So when she found out she was going to go to LA, she was psyched because the head coach was Derek Fisher. Her mindset already works like an NBA player. And that was one of the things she was pointing out to me was that, you know, the WNBA does a great job. And I know how women basketball players play, but I know how NBA minds work. And so it was second nature to her. One of the examples she brought up, she goes, Vegas plays like that now playing under Becky. She goes, that's why it's so fun to play against them and watch them so on and so forth so you're right um in, in that sort of sort of style if you like the and gun if you like the 80s style bulls or excuse me '80 style lakers showtime yep that's what the aces look like if you like the running rebels that's what the aces look like yep
1: it's been absolutely fun to watch all right so keeping with the local theme and we're going to hear uh, some clips of this that uh, ari's got uh, but we did see
2: morning press conference riley smith kelly mccrimmon uh were you there no, and I'm a little disappointed because I, I once they said they're going to stream it on all their channels, Yeah, I was like, okay, cool. I'll just work from here. So I, I did a ton of work this morning and, and got a lot of work done. Um, and I texted the PR. I was like, hey, um, is things running late? Because unfortunately, due to technical difficulties, um, it won't be streamed. Brutal. I was like, yeah, uh, great. Because otherwise, I, I wish I would have known that. I would have cut off everything and, and raced up there. Yeah. So I didn't get to hear anything that's been said.
1: Okay. Well, guess what? That's a perfect tease because coming up in 15 minutes, we're going to hear uh, what was said when it comes to the press conference this morning with Riley Smith and uh, Kelly McCrimmon. Here, by the way, that's where we're at, Silver Sevens is the Spots Cofield and Company of Antobo Los Vatos. Uh, Willie Ramirez alongside. Uh, we're going to be with you until, of course, 6 p.m. Coming up later in this hour, Xavier Pope. But as we talked about um, Five o'clock hour is going to be great. Bobby Marks, ESPN NBA front office insider is going to join us as we're going to talk everything association when it comes to some of the dominoes. But on the other side, uh, Steve Wino is going to join us, AP Washington, D.C. Let's talk a little bit more about uh, what's been going on in the NHL free agency period and how this offseason has gotten off to a really
0: intriguing start. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas.
3: Well, I feel like the expectation every year, no matter where we finish, has always been heightened. It's such a weird feeling. You know, we always have a pretty deep run and it's definitely a learning experience for me, something that I don't want to have to do again anytime soon, but like I said, the expectation here is high and you know we want to be able to push for the Stanley Cup every single year and we definitely have the roster to do that.
0: Hanging at the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver Sevens, it's Cofield and Company. So boys, O'Reilly Smith on uh, Vegas Golden Knights
1: playoff expectations. Always high out here, especially when you, uh, when you make it to the Stanley Cup final. Your first year of existence, it's going to happen, Willie. Willie Ramirez alongside Jonathan Vontobel. Uh Let's bring in Stephen Wino. Nice enough to give us some time today. AP out in Washington, D.C., our nation's capital. Let's talk a little NHL offseason, maybe a little more if we have some time. Uh, Stephen, thank you for the time. I uh, really appreciate it. I uh, wanted to start with those Vegas Golden Knights. So we always got to slug, right? We are a binary society. We need winners and we need losers. Uh, and free agency is always the best time to slug winners and losers. Vegas, by some accounts, has been deemed a loser in this offseason very early on. What do you make of what has happened? so far with the Vegas Golden Knights in terms of Shivigov, Patrick patch what we've seen from them up to this point?
4: Yeah, the, the, the Vegas Golden Knights are not the biggest loser of the offseason so far, but you never want to give away a six-time 30-goal score for nothing and costing Bill and Coslin at the same time. Uh, it, it's not good asset management by the Vegas Golden Knights, but this is nothing new. This has been happening now for, for several years now. The expectations were, were raised probably too high by that trip to the Stanley Cup Final in the first year from Bill Foley on, on down the organization, and, and and trying to fit everything, every shiny new toy into the lineup has led to trying to move on. And now they're in the next phase. This is the, a guy in patch who was part of, of kind of the mercenaries who were attracted and acquired by this franchise and now heading out the door. Uh, so it, it, it's not a good turn in the franchise, but it will be up to Kelly McCrimmon uh, to, to kind of fill those holes. And I really like the signing of Sakari Mountain and Spencer Fu, two guys who played in the Olympics, at value contracts. They're not going to be matched to Pacioretty, but they can fill some of those goals and points lost by Pacioretty.
2: Yeah, that came in uh, a little more than about an hour and a half ago that they had signed those two. Um, so i got to ask you, is I mean, are, is what we're seeing, Stephen, what, what we're seeing that the Golden Knights are going through right now sort of a sign of maybe some reckless spend, spending the first couple of years?
4: Oh, for sure. Uh, maybe not even the first couple of years, but once it went after the first year, and kind of going after Mark Stone, going after Pacioretty, and Petrangelo, and and Jack Eichel, and Robin Leonard, and just kind of all of the, the kind of needing to be in, in the neighborhood or being in conversation for every big name who's out there, this is the, the, the consequence to that, because they, all the assets that Jordan C. built up over the expansion draft have been spent. Uh, Alex Tuck, some of the picks, the prospect, Nick Suzuki, all of these guys they've blown through a lot of that capital that was built up at the expansion draft and some of those initial moves. And that's the problem here, is the salary cap has not gone up. It's not for a pandemic, obviously. It would certainly be higher than $82.5 million, but this is the world we live in. And with the cap not going up, it hurts a lot. Some teams do a lot more than others, especially when you want to go after all of these big-name, high-priced talent players.
2: So, Stephen, let me ask you, I remember the first year in talking to Gerard Gallant many times, and he told me, you know, especially when William Carlson was having that miraculous season, Jonathan Marchesaw had become this beloved character, you know, that he had coached in Florida. But he had said that Riley Smith was really the intelligent guy, if not maybe the smartest guy, as far as the the X's and O's, if you will, um, of not just that line, but the forward room. The team, it was a guy he really counted on as an extension onto the ice. How big, as much as, you know, the Golden Knights lost Max Pacioretty, um, but to be able to retain him, to retain Riley yeah. Smith?
4: Yeah, no, it, it's a big deal, and 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 it's the right priority when, when you think of what everything Riley Smith can do on the ice, everything he can do to make his teammates better. Max Pacioretty is is, is very, I don't want to say one-dimensional. He's not that. But Max Pacioretty does one thing really, really well in his score goal Riley Smith does a lot of things really, really well. Uh, he is that, that kind of brains of the operation. He it has that institutional memory of being around uh, and being an, an original member of, the, of this organization. That helps. And, and it, was, it was smart on the part of, of the staff to prioritize keeping Riley Smith around. I, I don't know how you let someone like Riley Smith go because he's one of those, I know it gets overused in hockey a lot, but glue guy, somebody who keeps the kind of locker room together. And given how many changes there have been in this locker room over the past several years, Riley Smith is an invaluable part of
1: it so when you talk about asset management right in the poor way that this has been handled how, how do you look at this in terms of spinning this forward in the future not only just coming into this next you know this season but in seasons and off seasons going forward does it paint a picture of maybe like as we move forward here and how this front office manages some assets it kind of puts them on some shaky ground and maybe you don't trust the direction they would go into them when it comes to managing these assets and seasons in the future yeah
4: and, and that's the question now Is kind of how does Kelly McCrimmon handle some of these assets moving forward? Because you do have guys signed to long-term contracts. You have a William Carlson who's signed. You have Jack Eichel who's signed for for four more years. Uh, Carlson's five more years. Marchesolo's two. Now Riley Smith is three. Petrangelo's five. You've got to got a lot of guys locked up. What I imagine is probably more of the moves what we're seeing like Pacharetti, where it's going to take making a sacrifice. And, and, and this is what Julian Breslow did with Tampa Lightning: is he traded Ryan McDonough so he could keep a lot of his younger players around. Now, it's a lot easier to do that when you've got two Stanley Cup rings on, on your fingers as you're doing it, and, and you know you've won before and all of that. But it's going to take a lot of cold-hearted calculation of, of kind of figuring out who is part of this team moving forward. How do you, how do you get guys who are on uh, their entry levels? Like Nicholas Waugh right now needs a, needs a new deal. It's getting those kind of guys locked up, because when you're talking about trying to win long-term, you can't just go all in every year and say nuts to the future. You, you can't really do that in, in hockey, not with a, not in a salary cap world, not in a flat salary cap world. And so trying to figure out which players and prioritizing which players belong as part of this core is a giant decision facing the Golden Knights of the League.
1: Stephen Wino, AP hockey writer based out in Washington, D.C., with us. All right, so let's go down the path uh, with Max Pacioretty and his new team. Uh, what do you make of Carolina and their offseason at this point? Because it does seem like they've done a pretty good job in every piece that they've acquired and the prices that they've have p- have played to acquire them.
4: Yeah, the, the big, one of the big winners to me of, uh, of this period is Carolina Hurricanes. Getting a second, a third, and a fourth-round pick uh, from the Philadelphia Flyers, for Tony D'Angelo, who they signed to a, a one-year deal, a kind of prove a contract after everything uh, – happened with the New York Rangers, he got bought out and all that, to take that and turn it into picks. And then just to take the, the kind of prospect capital, the, the, the finished goaltending prospect, and go out and get uh, Brent Burns. And and now you've got Brent Burns there, you've got Max Pacioretty there. The Hurricanes needed people who could put the puck into the net, That more than anything else. And, and, and for, for all the Pacioretty has injury concerns and Brent Burns is 37 years old, the Hurricanes are a better team at scoring than they were – Forty-eight hours ago, and for a team that did struggle to score and struggle in that series against the New York Rangers, that's yeah. what Rob Rendall's team needed more than anything.
2: And and let me ask you because you know you were all over the place for 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 the for the postseason, and you watched a lot of the stuff covering for you know nationally for obviously for the Associated Press. Um, Carolina was a team that a lot of people had penciled in as a sleeper because of how well they had played, but I thought that it ran into a, a tough Rangers team that had experience, it had a tough-as-nails guy like Gerard Galland. He had been there before with some scrappy clubs, knew what to do. Not only the scoring in the defense, but how much is it that the experience that it now has that it can lend to some of the younger guys and bring a lot of that together?
4: Yeah, it, 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 it's, a, it's a huge help to, to, to have guys like that. And look, and Matt Pacioretty's been... To on long playoff runs support 2 Brent Burns has been to the Stanley Cup final. That certainly helps. And but that like Hurricane team, we, we talked about with the Florida Panthers too, that that sometimes it takes losing in the playoffs to win. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if the Hurricanes aren't a little bit past that at this point. They should have won. And and, and the goaltending kind of it, 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 when you have two goaltenders who are injury prone and they wind up getting hurt, it hurts you. And so the goaltending let them down a little bit. Not being able to score, let them down a little bit. I don't know what kind of lessons you can learn from that other than be healthier. Uh, be healthier and, 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 and score more goals. It's not like it was a, like one of those situations like the Golden Knights learned against the Capitals or the Capitals have learned so many times of kind of how to win in the playoffs. The Carolina Hurricanes have a recipe on how to win in the playoffs. They just failed in that recipe this time.
1: So, uh, I'm um, Steven, to give you my background, I write a lot of sports betting, I cover uh, the NBA from a sports betting perspective, and I like to view a lot of the stuff from that prism, and one of the things that I like to find is like diamonds in the rough, right? Teams that had good offseason that potentially could be undervalued going into the new regular season. Is Detroit one of those teams? Because I know they're further down the board in terms of futures, but when you read in terms of what they have done in this offseason up to this point, it seems like the Red Wings are a team that could be a lot better than people expect them to going into next year. Maybe not win a title, but competitive on a night-to-night basis, getting some more points than people expected?
4: Certainly in terms of making the playoffs, I I, I would say that. But I'll give you a different team because I think the Red Wings are still a year away. Even adding Andrew Kopp and Ben Chirot uh, and having Alex Delcovich and and Billy Husso, I still think the Red Wings are a year away. The team that I'll point you to is the Ottawa Senators. And they go out and get Alex to bring it from from the Chicago Blackhawks. They sign Claude Giroux. They got Cam Cam Talbot in goal from the Minnesota Wilds. I think the Ottawa Senators, with Thomas Chabot already there, and Brady Kachuk already there, Josh Norris signed out to a long-term deal. I think the Ottawa Senators are ready to take a leap past the Boston Bruins and make the playoffs immediately. This is a team that I think is further ahead than even the Columbus Blue Jackets after adding Johnny Goudreau, beyond the Detroit Red Wings, beyond certainly Philadelphia Flyers who have done less than nothing. I really think the Senators are the team that if you're looking for a team to take a flyer on to make the playoffs, or even – Make a, a run, I think it's Ottawa more than Detroit. But Steve Eichmann has done a, a good job of basically pouncing on when he has cap space. And, and a few years ago, he was more reserved. He kind of bided his time. He picked his spots and now chooses to go big in free agency and turns out with some great deals to guys
1: like Kopp and Sherrod. Steven Wino, again, AP hockey writer based out in DC. Stephen, good stuff. Thanks for
2: the conversation, man. Appreciate it.
1: Thanks, guys. Talk to
2: you soon. S
1: Wino, W H Y N O, up My guy. on Twitter. My guy. Yeah?
2: Oh, yeah. He's got a he, lot of friends. I don't have friends. No, well, he's a colleague, and here's the thing when you're a freelancer and, you know, and, and, in like, something like the Golden a mercenary Knights. Mercenary of did, journalism, huh? When, well, when you go through something like the Golden Knights in 2017 18 and you're thrust into it, oh. and I had one guy come out and mentor for one game, and he was like, here's basically what you got to do. And that was the home opener, which you remember was right after the October 1 shooting. And it was Greg Beacham. Everybody knows who Greg Beecham is, yep. right? And, and he, so he was like, Willie, here's how you blah, blah, blah. go. And then all of a sudden they take off. And Wino's always been just, he's just always a really good team player, supportive guy. So he's always been uh, helpful all the way from DC with my golden Knights coverage.
1: All right. Speaking of the golden Knights, uh, let's hear from Riley Smith a little bit more about uh, the press conference this morning, as we spin it forward and continue to look forward with the Vegas golden Knights here on Cofield and company.
0: Cofield and company will be back in minutes right here on ESPN, Las Vegas. If that's taken
1: away from you,
0: the number one scoring team in the league getting crafty
4: in transition. Extra pass from Hamby.
0: Hanging at the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver 7s, it's Cofield and Company.
1: Always love a good score in transition, right? Sure. Most beautiful playing basketball in transition. Uh, Willie Ramirez, Jonathan Vontobo, you're live from Silver 7s, of course. It's our spot every single Thursday. Got a lot of stuff to give you don't uh, forget if you want about, to come down here.
2: Don't forget about our guy, Jed.
1: Sorry, I apologize. Holding
2: it it down.
1: Spinning the dials, the twos and the ones, is what the kids say. Um, Shirts, boletos,
2: tickets. See? To what? The battle for Vegas? Are you kidding me? Free tickets. All you got to do is come to Silver 7s, walk up to the table and be like, yo, yo, what's up with the tickets? We got tickets to the Riley Smith... The newly signed Riley Smith Golden Knights team against Marcus Allen and the Raiders. That's Monday at the Las Vegas ballpark. Wow. So a little celebrity softball action. I think it's, what, the third, fourth time? The third, third annual third battle annual. for Las Vegas. Yeah, third annual, but in four years because, obviously, the pandemic. They of course, didn't do of it. course. Um, and good time out there. A lot of fun. Um, in the past, they've gotten past Golden Knights that were traded away. They came back and played. I know Eric Holla played. I know Nate Schmidt came back and played. Ryan Reeves. We get him back in playing. You never know, but it should be a good time. We got tickets for that. We got tickets for the lights. So come on down.
1: I mean, at this point, do we know the record? Do we know the record in the battle for Vegas? This is obviously the rubber match. I don't, but you I'd rather like
2: I'd rather know what the line is. Yeah, well, that's, we can set it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Looking at the teams, uh, we'll set a line here in a couple of days. How about that? Uh, all right. So with that, you talked about it. Let's talk a little bit more, and let's hear uh, from the guys. The Riley Smith, of course. Uh, let's hear this first one, Ari, because it does sound like, uh, Willie, the goal was to be in Las Vegas for. Him.
3: Honestly, my number one goal was to to stay here and play here. Um, you know, a lot of that other stuff is and was background noise for me. So um, my main goal was to, to find a way to be able to play here. Um, so I didn't put too much thought into that, to be honest.
1: All right. Seems pretty straightforward, right? Wanted to play here. Didn't put a lot of thought. I'm going to be here.
2: Yeah, and the times that we would run into him were that he would, you know, I, I think he, he was on in the morning one of about a month back with Ed and Tyler. It was really to promote the softball, but, of course, you're going to get hit with that question. And, you know, toward the end of the season talking to him, um, you could tell he 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 always – there, there was a certain calm about him that I, I still think that in the back of his mind, Kelly and George let him know, let – just ignore the outside noise, like he said, because you're coming back. We just have to do what we have to do and maneuver. There's a there's a part of me that believes that. Um, I will say, anytime you hear anything from Riley Smith, it's genuine because, like, there are times where we go up and talk to him, and he's like, it's almost like he's, he's got a little bit of a shake to him, like mm-hmm. like he's not nervous in talking to us, but just kind of, it's not his thing, it's not his jive, so everything that's coming out of him is genuine, you know, and. Uh, It's surprising to me that he's working without an agent.
3: Yeah, definitely a different scenario for me. Um, But I think, you know, as you further your career, you really understand where you want to play and and what your worth is. So um, for me, it was pretty simple. I knew I wanted to play here and uh, to be able to negotiate a deal with this team, um, it seemed like I didn't need one.
1: And it's I always find the dynamic of athletes without agents pretty fascinating. Lamar Jackson, right? He doesn't have an agent. He's going through this current deal right now in terms of maybe working out a contract extension with the Baltimore Ravens. And there's also the aspect of, look, I mean, part of the reason why you get agents, it's because they handle all the clerical stuff. But it's also because when you have dealings on your own, things tend to get a little... Uh, froggy when right. it comes to emotions and you have your value. The team has a value. Emotions tend to maybe ruin some
2: relationships, but it seems like it didn't get in the way and he got it done. Well, and when you are, like I said before, when you are a genuine person, you know, I think, and I, I don't know how to put this, but when there's a sense of greed involved, when there's a son- – when you know what, who you are, you know your worth, when you know the star power, whatever, I mean, that's where an agent comes – You, you sort of need that representation. I think Riley was just – he was, he's content. Hey, I'm not looking for a lot of money. I'm not looking, you know, a lot of money, right. I'm not Mm -hmm. looking for, you know, a a blockbuster deal. I want to stay here. I'd like to retire here. I love the community. I I love being a part of this team. I was one of the original members, you know, and, and, and part of that is being part of that line with Jonathan Marchesaw and William Carlson.
3: I love playing with those guys. They're, they're two great people, two great players. Um, you know, hopefully I'll have the opportunity to to play with them a lot this upcoming season. Um, you know, they elevate my game and I think that I do that for them as well. So um, we're a good line and we're, we're tough to play against when we're all on the same page and playing quick. And hopefully we get that opportunity this year. Have you spoken
2: first at all about
3: that? Yeah, in uh, In short, I'm sure uh, there's a lot of different changes that you know are still gonna happen and a lot of tweaks. Um, so we'll see at training camp, uh, where all the chips lay, but with an 82 game season, things are going to get scrambled around a bunch of times. I'm sure.
2: I don't. Here's the thing. It, it, it's interesting. He says that, and that's the common question when DeBoer came, and then when when in game types of changes and changes that he made. But you know, last year, a lot of different you know extenuating circumstances with injuries and whatnot. But those three seem to work. It. It. it I don't know how much because I'm not a. Hockey X's, Hockey X's nose guy. Like, I don't sit there and break down film. I, I go to the game, I write the recap, I write feature stories, and then I'm moving on to whatever else assignments I have. To sit there and study game film to try to figure out what lines did this and the course that, it's beyond me. But the chemistry is there. If you have a coach that takes that chemistry and puts it within his system, perhaps that chemistry worked well with Gerard Gallant because he coached marchesaw and smith in florida Mm -hmm. DeBoer he came in and then he had these superstars that he focused on and all of a sudden the misfit line became the number two line and maybe cassidy sees what he needs to see
1: yep all right well we'll have more on this too by the way i think we're gonna hear from kelly mccrimmon a little bit later on the show but we'll take our break on the other side xavier pope joins us and we are live co for the company that is willie myself jvt from silver seven so come on down grab a lot of merch that we have including those tickets to the battle for vegas
0: Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield & Co.
2: and our own Bobby Marks proposed a trade that still had Ayton going to the Indiana Pacers, but on a sign-in trade instead of this offer sheet and that being utilized in a three-team deal to facilitate getting Kevin Durant to the Phoenix Suns. It wouldn't have necessarily meant Ayton was going to the Brooklyn Nets and it was a straight-up type of trade, but now the Suns have no ability to trade him anywhere. They just lost their most important trade assets for nothing, seemingly.
0: Lawyer host of suit up news, legal and cultural contributor. Xavier Pope is live on Cofield and Company.
1: You heard it, Jonathan Von Tobel, JBT. Willie Ramirez, Von Tobel y Los Batos here at Silver Sevens, Xavier Pope. nice enough to give us some time. I know we're not the illustrious Steve Cofield, but Xavier's Xavier's awesome. <laughs> I, 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 Xavier, I appreciate you coming on. I hope you deal with us. Uh, but Cofield, I feel like I'm cooler than Cofield. You and I have gotten to talk a uh, very little bit. So, well, I'll accept that you think I'm better than Steve Cofield. Uh,
5: I mean, just, just take my agency away, won't you? I mean, uh, I, let me be the judge of that.
1: <laughs> All right, let's do that. Well, let's start with basketball. You heard in the opening, uh, we get the, and I saw you tweeting about this, uh, the first domino drops in potentially the Kevin Durant saga. That would be DeAndre Ayton deciding, you know what, screw this. I'm not waiting around. The Pacers have cleared out the cap space. I'm signing this offer sheet, so he signs for it 133 million dollars. But you don't seem too torn up about that from the Suns' perspective, huh? Uh,
5: no, I mean, yes, he he's restricted free agent. The Suns have the opportunity to match that, uh, being that he's a restricted free agent. But the, the thing is, DeAndre Ayton, I mean, I think he's reached the ceiling. Uh, this is as good as we're going to see. Didn't see him improve from one season to the next, um, and he he's already had injury issues prior to. Um, and, the, and he, he has a uh, body who has those funky knees, man. I, I don't see that body lasting up to take him through the rest of that contract. Um, I think the Suns should let him walk and see what, other, what, it, what their options are, the franchise, instead of overpaying him and having him be a sunk cost in their books for years to come.
1: Yep, and as you heard in the uh, open, it does change things for Kevin Durant who wants to go to Phoenix, so we'll see uh, what happens from here. Suns, of course, for those who are listening, do have the option to match within the next 48 hours, so we'll see if they do just that. Now, I've been on before, and we talked about John Morant and i want to get your thoughts because i find this fascinating xavier and draymond green has started like this new media movement right because all the time we get these these quotes taken out of context nobody really understands what these athletes are talking about there's no nuance anymore so john Morant, first off espn has to apologize for the fake quote that they run from <laughs> ball sack sports which is hilarious but the other part of this is he's getting roasted by people because he said he would cook michael jordan the problem is is that one he actually might uh two the other thing is, it was actually kind of said in jest on a podcast.
5: Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, I mean, ball for it. I mean, props to them. And and the guy who runs that account, his sole objective is to show how misinformation mis- uh, works in media. By and he, and he and had ESPN get it. They apologized over because it, it cost them a little bit of contention between some of their reporters. Um, so I think it shows that it's better to be right about some of these things than being. Uh, being the first to report some of these different issues because they go viral on social media and people start talking about it. whole segments were put over it. But in terms of um, you have to take some of the different things that players say with a, with, with, uh, with a grain of salt. And John Morant is one of the stars in the NBA. He has the right to say he's a great player, um, but it's ridiculous to even to compare him with the greatest of all time. And even if he said it in jest, uh, better respect to God.
1: <laughs> Adam Hill would be very upset. Adam Hill thinks that John Morant would roast Michael Jordan.
5: He roast to maybe in, like make like, talking about him and his, his 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 jeans or something like that, that he likes to wear, uh, but other than that, I don't think so.
1: <laughs> All right, let's talk about some legal issues with you then. And I saw you tweeting about this. Uh, so we get footage released today: of Boosie Badass uh, being handcuffed during a traffic stop in Georgia. Um, throughout this, there's a lot that goes on in the video, and I know that you watched it. One of the things that he shouts out and threatens is that he is going to sue uh, the police, which, of course, is one big, big task in and of itself. But what you see from the video here? He claims that he's being harassed. Do you think that's actually the case?
5: I, well, he was pulled over uh, with another passenger. Uh, they, the, the, the cops said they smell pot. Now, that that's a lot of times in a, in a case with African-Americans in, a, in this right. country, unfortunately, for policing. Um, that's used as a pretext to be able to get them for something worse. But they only cited them with a ticket. So, I mean, a lot of his claims seemed really out of, out of bounds in terms of what, he, what actually wound up happening in that case. He started going crazy, talking about spitting uh, uh, at nurses in jail. He's going to get violent. He's going to sue. Then he talked about there's over 30 women have doing sexual acts in his home, and he was going to use that as some sort of bribe to officers. It was It was absurd. It was unhinged. Um, But that's what the type of brand he's he's evolved into—a guy who's completely unhinged that says the most ridiculous things, and he winds up getting attention for it. I don't see it translating to dollars, though. Um, It just seems like it's just a really crazy video.
1: It kind of seems like actually he almost got off lucky, right? Like given everything he was doing, that could have escalated, and he could have actually gotten in worse trouble. Yeah, I mean, I mean, he's yelling, he's
5: bouncing back and forth, and he's in handcuffs. He's made him. He sounds completely unhinged he's lucky he got away with a ticket particularly what we see other issues with with police african americans in this country i'm glad they have probably cooler heads and only gave him a ticket
1: so he's lucky so we see now as you know, of course the britney griner saga continues to drag out here and Uh, The cries, as they should be, are getting louder for her to be brought back home. So we saw now uh, that her general manager and one of her teammates offered character statements for her in a court appearance. So I first wanted to ask you, what is the purpose of of character statements? Uh, And especially in a situation like this, too, where it does seem that this is almost fixed against her, right? Like, I don't know if a character statement is really going to help her. But what do character statements actually do in a court of law? And do they really actually have some help in terms of helping the person that they are for?
5: First and foremost, it depends on the legal system that you're in. Right. Um, in, in America, uh, character witness could, could, could help you get a lesser sentence um, and some conditions around your release. But in, in, in a place like Russia that suppresses uh, free speech and other uh, minority groups, it could, it could prove to be very little, even if it is some sort of coach that is to rush the box for her. They already knew she played for a Russian team. So it it, it just seems like this is just part of the formality of doing whatever they can to ensure that there's some sort of prisoner swap down the line. Whether that actually happens remains to be seen at this time.
2: So let me ask you this, Xavier, because, and I get what you're saying because we don't know what the heck they think over there. Um, But with, with the general manager of the club, the Russian club that she played for, saying, you know, she's been exemplary. And not just a player, but and a citizen. In six seasons in Russia, you would think that the general manager of a team, you know, he he he's known, he or she is known that the the, the, the powers that be. Um, in what you're saying, do you think that it's preconceived already that how they're going to sentence put it or the, d- put, it, put it this way, guys? If that coach had any sway,
5: All would right. she still be in jail right now? No. That coach doesn't have any sway right now. Brittany Griner is being used and being un- unlawfully, or un- I wouldn't say unlawfully, but not properly re- deta- uh, detained. And that's what she's been designated by the United States government. And so it really doesn't matter what's happening right now. We're, we're looking at uh, what-, what kind of sympathy is she going to get from a government that is killing innocent women and children in another country that refugees are leaving and there has to be foreign aid to stop this. We can't put ourselves in the minds of what would happen in the American court system, which has its own issues, and insert that to a completely um, different type of regime that doesn't have the same fairness, the same due process, or anything like that.
1: So I haven't gotten to talk to you a lot about this topic. What do you make of the thought of, look, if this was LeBron James, this guy would be back on American soil at this point right now. Like, We don't know what goes on in terms of the leanings. I told Willie yesterday, like, I'm not sure if that's the case, but I do feel like whatever leaning has to be done, the United States is probably leaning a little bit harder if it's a guy like LeBron James of his status, but what do you make of it?
5: Well, it, LeBron James would be playing ball in Russia. Right. Um, like many women have to play in international league because they're not getting necessarily paid um, what they would like to get paid. Um, to, to compare the equity of women's and men's professional uh, basketball isn't necessarily a fair comparison, being the NBA has uh, been around for about a quarter century and and the NBA has been around for, uh, for 70, 80-plus years. And so I think that it's, uh, it's really important for us to understand that, that what the building up of that league is completely different. The options that it created for someone like LeBron James to even survive is totally different. It's a completely different off-base comparison. We don't need to talk about that because it just flat out wouldn't even
2: exist. I just want to ask you this, and, 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 and let me preface by saying that I've you know, I covered, I've covered women basketball. I I'm am I'm go above and beyond as an advocate, and what they're doing in terms of playing this out and, and elongating this is 100% wrong. But the one thing that keeps coming up, like you said, and I agree, there shouldn't be comparisons. I've been saying that as well. Um, but if the people that believe... Okay, and including the WNBA by saying, "Well, if it was LeBron or KD, then they would have already gotten them home." Does that also mean, in their eyes, that if it was just a plain, if I went over there, if Willie Ramirez, absolutely nobody, and I had cartridges, is everybody going to stand up for me, or, or if could I say, well, if it was Brittany Griner, the WNBA would be, you know, I'd have I'd have emblems all over their court. And
5: I think that's also important to remember that Brittany Griner still is a. A, 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 a figure and so you you and i or some other regular citizen, they're citizens over there right now and are currently being detained that are seeking justice as well i i talked to one of my uh, ex- expert friends who nola haynes uh, she um is an expert in national security talked to me about numerous individuals that are being detained and they feel you know that this is necessarily not even fair to them um, so, you have to look at it from a wider perspective. But I think, and then using African American men to make a point about how an African American woman treated, I don't think that's necessarily fair. LeBron James, Kevin Durant do not own any teams in the National Basketball Association. There's only one black owner in the National Basketball Association. And, and that's where you put the energy on the power dynamics, not on some sort of labor and what, what they could possibly do. He doesn't have any power beyond the one that's of labor, and he doesn't have the billions and billions of dollars like the owners white owners in the National Basketball Association. I think it's an off-base comparison.
1: Xavier Pope with us. All right, so uh, we got a last minute here with you. Let's move on to a, a very serious story as well here. So we know about the 10-year-old girl in Ohio, raped and pregnant and had had travel to Indiana to get an abortion. We have people pushing back on this for some reason, uh, saying that, the uh, you know, look, this is fake news, for lack of a better term. Uh, from a standpoint of these this girl's parents, is there any legal action in terms of emotional damage, something you're pushing back on something that happened? This is a traumatic event for us. How dare you come at us and say that this is not real?
5: Uh, well, I think that if... if you have defamation as, as as a potential option for those parents if people are doing things to damage them or hurt them. I just think it's just unfortunate that, that people are using people's lives as political games to argue on the internet. I I, 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 I think it's absurd. I think that we have to realize and have empathy for real people's lives. It's a 10 year old girl. Start with empathy, not with your politics.
1: Xavier Pope. Xavier, thank you for the time, man. Really appreciate it. Love you guys. Suit uh, Up and News.
5: I, I like it a little bit more today. Okay. Yeah,
1: there we go. I like it. Suit Up News. Check it out. Uh, you can follow Xavier up on Twitter and check out everything he has to offer. Suit Up News. A great watch.
2: I love having Xavier on because he doesn't hold back. And you could ask him anything, and, you know, he's going to say it. And, and you know, nine out of ten times, he's, he's, he's on point. He and is. you have to respect his point.
1: Although, I don't know. He didn't say he liked me as much as he He said he liked me a little bit more, though, so we'll accept it. Second hour of COVID the Company on the way.